welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast for a funky Friday night here at Sunny 16 Towers. It's all kicking off. We're all here boozed up to the eyeballs <laughs> and definitely not a bunch of sad, sad losers sat in front of a computer doing a podcast. But still, if I have to be sat in front of a computer with some sad losers, these are the two sad losers who I want to be sat in front of it with. And joining me on this week's show, 250, what a number. <laughs> what a lovely... <laughs> 250-ish number. Feels like we should do something, but seeing as we didn't even do 200, that's not going to happen. Um, it is the ever-lovely Claire. Claire, how are you? Evening. I'm well, thank you, Graham. Really good to be here. Been enjoying the lovely weather. It has been lovely, as we can see, as you and I can see, on the sun-kissed John Whitmore. John, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm feeling tanned. <laughs> Looking tanned, John. Looking tanned. Thanks. <laughs> Not too much time in the darkroom lately, clearly. Uh, loads of, loads of really? time in the darkroom. I had one day in the sunshine and this is what happened. <laughs> this is what happened. <laughs> uh, I stay indoors. It's just fake town. It's all just spray, isn't it? Be, be honest, John. You can you can tell the truth. Um, well, I'll tell you what, John. Why don't you fill us in first off on, on what you've been up to? Because what our plan for this week's show, just so everybody knows, is we're going to have a catch up with what we've been up to and we've got some fabulous listener emails to get into. But first... Mm. Let's hear what John's been doing, allegedly in the darkroom, but probably under the sunbed. Back to old habits, John. You told me you used to spend a lot, you used to make regular visits to a tanning salon, didn't you? Were you back to those bad old days? <laughs> Should I? Yeah, we, me and a few friends, when we were drunk in Bristol, we used to go to a 24-hour walk-in <laughs> tanning salon. That's so weird <laughs> to me. When I got drunk, I used to go get kebab, not a tan. <laughs> I don't know. It's, um, maybe a transition from that to going to a dark room, stop drinking. You know, it's like that's how I got to where I am now. Who knows? Um, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, what have I been up to? I've been doing loads of printing the last couple of weeks, um, winding up to this exhibition that's happening in about two or three weeks. Mm. Um, we're not really ready for it, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, I just I've had to do I've done about thirty prints, I think. Oh wow! And so I've got a few more to do. Well, I've got the big mural ones to do. Mm. Uh, these have all been eight by tens and sixteen by twenties. I've had to go out and capture yeah. most of the images as well. So until last week, it was just impossible because the rain and the, the weather was holding it off. But suddenly the sun broke through, and uh, I could get out there and trample the streets of Coventry. Incy wincy bit more climbed up yeah. the spout again. Um, and I know listeners can't, they can't see, but um, I can see, John, and behind you there's a really big print. Um, is that one for the exhibition? Oh, yeah. Is that one? Um, that like might big... be used. So that yeah. was one that I did, I think I did it last year, just just before okay. COVID happened. That was, um, that's a camera, it's from a camera obscura. Where I yeah. turned one of the room, like art space rooms in Cov into a dark room and a camera obscura, oh, and I captured great. the image on yeah. four by four, eight four foot by eight foot paper, and developed it in the same space as well. Okay. And then I made a positive print of that, and that's what you can see behind. Wow. Um, but that might go in the exhibition. It depends how much time we've got left. We're kind okay. of at the moment we're at the stage where we're looking at what we've got and what we've made new and how much time we've got available yeah, yeah. Soon that works. um 
how have you got on because i very kindly really incredibly kindly lent you a couple of my lenses which i'm hoping you've taken better <laughs> care of than they when i lent him my on-do camera how have you got on with those have you chance to get out and shoot with them i've taken care of them and <laughs> and i used i used one for one photo the <sighs> wide one but I, I don't think that's going to make it into the exhibition oh, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was working on the assumption that if you, any picture taken with my lens, if you then sell it for millions of pounds, I get basically 50%, right? That's the way that works. If it was a million pounds, I'd, I'd cut you in for 1%. Oh, that's that's I take it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 1% or whatever. Why, why only one picture? Did you just find you weren't getting on with the width? It just wasn't working for you? So... Some like I've got to make two mural size prints for the exhibition, and to do those, I really wanted to do them large format, so it's massive neg being enlarged, massive to retain the most amount of detail. Um, and the images I'm going to use for that don't require that focal length, and I thought they did, but I've had to change what that image is going to be. Mm -hmm. And I was going to use the wide lens for something else but i've actually ended up reverting to medium format for a lot of the images because i had to walk around coventry twice like at the old city wall in coventry i was tracing its old route and i did not want to lug the large format round in the heat mm. so i ended up going back to medium format because those prints didn't need to be as big um so yeah sorry graham you uh, were obviously shooting this work to then make prints and then go to the other artists who are going to add on to it, embellish it. Uh, how how far have they got with their part of it? Uh, funny enough, I've had them around tonight. They, the illustrator has already started doing some work and prep on that. So I got a load of prints to Emma, who's doing that. Um, and she's done some test stuff. I gave her the bulk of all the, the work tonight. And then Amanda, who's doing the glass work, it will then go on to her after mm. it's finished with her process. So, yeah, hopefully there's enough time for them. It's exciting. Are you feeling the, the pressure? Three weeks. Massively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, like, we're, we're having conversations now about, well, we've, we've already had them, but it's like, because it's changing stuff like mm. the installation part of it. Uh, we've got a day to install. It's all the fiddly bits, like mm. the prints are going to need mounting as well for certain situations. Some yeah. are going to need, like a couple of them need framing. Um, and it's all those, those things take a lot of time. And um, so we're trying to preempt it and plan as much as possible. Mm. But no, there has to be a bit of flexibility in there for yeah. when we actually get in the space. What's the most difficult thing within that to get organised beforehand? What's the bit that you're most worried about not coming together? Uh, at the moment, the mural prints. Just like I've got, I've got a job on tomorrow, but on Sunday I'm just gonna have to spend the whole day rearranging my dark room to get set up to be able to do the mural printing, About and hopefully I'll, I'll get I'll get one out on Sunday, yeah. and I'll just have to do the others in the evening next week. I think. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's like there's a lot of pressure doing them because it's physically exert like exhausting mm. <laughs> like particularly when their shed is hot um <laughs> paper the paper's big to handle by yourself chemicals in the troughs and all that sort of stuff and then there's a lot of pressure because it's expensive as well you know like the roll of paper costs 200 quid yeah so I've got to make sure I get it right. <laughs> yeah, there's no, oh, that, that eight by 10 didn't work. I'll just do another one. 
It's like I have to get the print right in on that final exposure. No pressure, John. No pressure. It'll no. be brilliant. The, the good part is, uh, I was saying to Emma earlier, is like, so I don't know if you've had this with large format. If you sometimes like get a hair on the negative before you expose, that ends up being black on the print, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And removing that is quite tricky. Where, cause, but because she's drawing on top of it, she can draw in the areas where those yeah. imperfections are and yeah. cover it up quite yeah. easily. Yeah. Draw the rest yeah, of the cat. Breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> she can just cover up all my mistakes. Yeah, perfect. That sounds good. Well, it sounds like a, it's a lot of stress, but it's going to be worth it. Remind me again when the um, exhibition is starting and where people can go to go and see this stuff. I'm going to have to remind myself by going to the website because I can't actually remember. Uh, the website we've set up is called pladmoon.co.uk. That's P-L-A-I-D moon, M-O-O-N. Um, and it is at the Holy Trinity Church in the centre of Coventry. And it runs from Wednesday the 23rd of June to Saturday 26th. And then again from the 30th of June to the 3rd of July. So it's Wednesday to Saturdays for two weeks, cool. starting on the 23rd, open from 10 till 3 p.m. daily. Mm. Awesome. I sincerely hope I can get up to make that. I would love to come and see yeah. that. Yeah, great if you could, yeah. Come and judge your yeah, work. Please come and visit. <laughs> if you're going to come and visit, please just get in touch with me and I'll, I'll make sure I'm there because we're taking it in shifts um, the days it's open. So, yeah, come and say hello. Mm. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Anything else, John, around that that you've been between that and childcare? I imagine that's probably enough. But have you had anything else you've been going on with? Uh, oh, I've actually had some. I've been doing lots of video editing. Bizarrely, Fun. it's not film photography related at all, but it's okay, work. This is your is um, great. other side, your dark side. Yeah, my dark side <laughs> is kicking in. <laughs> my dark side of working with digital is. Uh, taking place but no it's good because it's events are starting to happen again so, yeah mm -hmm. Coventry City of Culture officially starts tomorrow like they're in a launch event um so yeah there's lots of stuff going on busy busy days oh and also I've got my next zine coming out in two weeks I've been working I sent that off to the printers mm. oh great so, what's yeah. the uh, does this one have a, a um title yeah because you have to remind there was losing and choosing. Oh god! Choosing yeah. and choosing and losing is the the name of, of yeah. the magazine. Uh, the first one was called Tear It All Down. Yeah. Mm. The second one was called A Long December, and the yeah. next one is called The Inca Trail. The Inca so Trail. You'll never, guess what, you'll never guess what that's about. Is that another Taylor Swift song? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, it's inspired by uh, Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran duet, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like, I've seen some of your pictures from the Inca Trail. That, that sounds awesome. That sounds very cool. Thanks. Are you pleased yeah, with how this one's turned it, out? Yeah, it was like it was really great to go back through them all because I haven't looked at them in a while um, and piece them together in like a bit of a story. So I kind of start off in Cusco, uh, which is like the main tourist centre there uh, for access to Machu Picchu, and then just the journey along the Inca Trail which if people don't know, it's like a 26 mile um, historical Inca trek through to the, through the Andes to uh, the Machu Picchu site, like ascending and descending thousands of stone steps um, at altitude, which is just, yeah, in hindsight, mm. 
I don't know how how we achieved it, but yeah. And what have you written about for this one? Just about the journey itself, or have you written around other things? Because um, I, I know you, I know you find the writing difficult with this. Because yeah, I, I haven't actually written a lot for this one. I just wrote a small introduction about because mm -hmm. it's like it's it's a very personal journey for me, um, and it's something I kind of how do I uh... so when I was in my early twenties, I had a friend called Chris and we we went traveling straight after university we went to Australia mm. and um it was the first time we'd kind of both of us had been away and we came back from that talking about wanting to go traveling again and the Inca Trail was like one of the top things that we wanted to do and unfortunately a year later he died in a bike accident oh, no. and I never like we never got to do that trip and i always like parked the idea of doing it I, like i actually went traveling by myself two years later but i never wanted to do that it never kind of i don't know it never crossed my mind so when i did go it was kind of very much a i don't know it's it's kind of grieving process years on um so it's yeah i've just written a little bit about that basically mm. it's, it was a very personal thing but like and i didn't want to kind of interject the images with that the images were all about they're actually about the trek um but yeah the intro is just like my personal reasons for doing it that sounds cool dude that sounds cool i can't wait to see it that sounds fantastic like i've seen some of the pictures over the years from there and they are beautiful pictures so that's gonna be good and you'll be hitting twitter and everywhere with that once it's available right i'm sure i will yes else Put a few preview images out on ruthless self-promoter that you are. <laughs> yeah. Terrible um, self-promoter. Claire, I know you've been super busy with awful work stuff at the moment, but have you had any time to do anything fun and nice yourself? Um, yeah, I've been busy um, for the Experimental Photography Festival in, in Barcelona. I'm curating. Mm -hmm. Um I've been curating a show, so I'm working with, I've been working with um, a Norwegian architect who's going to be doing like a sound, um, like a sound installation to go with the, with the show. Um, so yeah, together we've been kind of working on that. So I've sort of selected all the images. Um, I selected too many though, I had to cut them down. Um, so we selected all the images and um, worked. We're working out out the sizes and stuff of them now. The layout, the sizes, um, a small installation that we're working on in the middle, and there's going to be a screen as well um, in 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 the in the gallery. Um, so I'm putting together a load of um, little snippets of some films as well to go along with the. The images, so there'll be some images, some moving images, and um, some sound. So yeah, been, basically, I'm working, work, been working on that. Um, yeah, I have been out the twelve twelve project. Obviously, it was last month. Um, last month, you know, it's the monthly thing. So this Monday was um, our latest kind of post day. Um, so yeah, so I have been quite quite busy um busy with stuff yeah and also um i was listening you know to i dream of cameras and um 
I kind of yeah I was enjoying sort of um binge listening catching up on that and um they had one on po on Polaroid didn't they don't know mm -hmm. if you listened to the episode yeah. and they had on um Emily Earl so I enjoyed the episode and this is what just came actually the other day for me I on the back of that I ordered her book late night Polaroids and it's a lovely book hardback um and as it says on the tin um it's black and lovely black and white Polaroids um from different different venues and locations of of, a, of an evening really lovely work so um yeah so I will enjoy going through going through that yeah, that was, that was an interesting conversation, wasn't it? Because as yes. you said, her her work. It, it, I can't. Was it Atlanta? She's. I can't remember where the where the location. Yeah. Voices in there, Claire. But um, in in her location, and she was going out into um venues in the evening and taking people's pictures using um the pack film and stuff and getting That's these fantastic. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, it sounded fantastic. It sounded really good. Yeah. Sorry, John. So, you're going to say something. Is this? Did she start working on the project when? The film was really cheap and then it skyrocketed and she had to mm. carry on basically and spend a fortune to actually continue the project yeah, yeah. and and it's the unfortunate yeah. thing of as she said like now in a situation where um getting getting hold of any is um a real crapshoot because you can spend an awful lot of money and it can still be rubbish yeah. and i know i saw recently that i think um brooklyn cameras over in america they got, had a batch of pack film coming not that long ago and um i think that they were selling it at something like 70 dollars a pack and apparently that mm. wasn't even the most expensive it's been but 70 dollars it's a lot it's an awful lot um yeah but you know it's it's hard I, you know and i think you know a lot of people are prepared to pay that and that's great but yeah i think particularly if you're trying to make a body of works so you're actively shooting it and using it in, in quite a large volume that becomes yeah. um untenable quickly so yeah yeah oh well oh well well that's really cool that, that um, i'm very envious of that book claire that looks really nice mm. um and what did you do your picture for this month's tw uh, 12 months um the theme was we are the future and mine was kind of a psychedelic um, <laughs> triangle <laughs> prism shot. <laughs> well, it was a psychedelic oh, was it, triangle. Was it a multi-exposure? Multi yeah, it was like, um, I had, pri yeah, I used prism. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. mm, yeah, so that was my contribution. It sounds uh, very Ronald. Um, so that's good. Um, yeah. For my part, I've not been doing a great deal. I have finished my first roll through my Leica, uh, my birthday mm. Leica. Um, I haven't okay. developed it yet, so I need to get on and do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking for that. In the end, because the weather changed so drastically, I think I've, made, I've hopefully I've got away with murder because I had HP5 in there, and I was using the lens, one of the lenses that Simon lent me. Um, it's great when whenever Simon forced to listen to this podcast, I think it just drives him insane because I always forget what the things he's lent me and what the things I'm doing are. <laughs> um, so it's a Canon lens of some sort. It's a Canon <laughs> like amount lens, M39 mount lens. I'm not even going to try and guess. I think it's one an f1.4. Um, but because I was using it over the weekend in blistering sunshine, so so I was shooting everything at like f16. So I'm probably not going to be showing off the quirky qualities of the lens, but hopefully everything should at least be in focus, even with my um, poor ability. So, uh, but I really, I really enjoyed shooting it. It was a lovely camera to use mm. throughout. So I'm 
looking forward to seeing the results from that. I'm hoping I haven't goofed anything up too much. Um, how are you? Uh, how are you metering? Oh, I was guessing, John. <laughs> well, what a weird question. I was guessing. It was sunny, therefore it was 16. Um, what, that's, that's the way that works. It's all good. Um, what else have we been up to? Uh, I, 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 my next-door neighbour called round uh, the other day. He'd been to visit some family and came home with a bag of cameras. He said, can we just go through? Because I don't know what I've got here. And it was lovely, actually. Not that there's anything particularly exciting in there. But it was one of those bags of family cameras that just like go through the ages of oh here's this one here's this generation's or this era's family camera. So there was um, a mm-hmm. one two four camera in there, um, a little brownie. There was an Instamatic in there. There was a, a one ten you know candy yeah. bar camera. One yeah. of those in there. Yeah. Um, there was a Polaroid in there. A Polaroid. <gasps> I was going to um, say, what was in there? What was the Polaroid? It SX-20? was. It was. It was. Um, it was one of the SL seventy, not the folding SL seventies, but like the button kind of SL seventies or whatever they call SX seventies rather. Um, so you know, one of the more common ones, but um, with a rainbow stripe down it. And there was one called the button. I yeah, I think it was the button. Yeah, I think it was the button. Um, and um, yeah, like just a couple of other bits, but it was great because, like I said, none of them were fancy, but they were all mm. just the only one that they were really missing. Oh, there was an, a, an APS camera, so mm. the only one of the only film types that were missing were um, 120 and disc. Other than that, it had <laughs> every format since like the 1920s through, which was pretty great. Mm. Um, and I think the camera he was most looking forward to using, there was a, a Kodak um, Retinet uh, 1B or something in there, which is just, it's a nice um, viewfinder 35mm camera that you can focus, change aperture, do all that stuff through. Um, it's made in Germany. They're nice cameras, well made. So um, hopefully he'll have some fun with that. But that was mm. fun to do. Mm. The other thing that I've been doing this week, there's been a bit of a drama, which John is familiar with. So as listeners will know, because I have talked about it, I bought back earlier in the year a um, Nova processing tank for my paper, which I really love. It's really useful. It really makes developing paper prints way easier. Um, but there were some problems before it came to me um, because it took a while to get here because he, it was leaking and he needed to get it all sorted before I sent it out, which was fine. You know, I, and it started leaking once it got to my house. But it was just a teeny tiny little bit from the front. My processor uh, was a four-slot processor. So I was using the front three slots for develop, stop, and fix. And this tiny little leak started at the front. I was like, oh, well, it's only losing like a millimeter a day. I was, I was using more developer just through developing prints. It would go down significantly more because you use quite a lot of chemicals. Not a lot, but you use some, don't you, John? I'm not talking about... I'm, are you dripping your paper? Yeah, but you, you still lose some, though. Inevitably, you yeah, lose because the paper. When you put the paper in the developer, it goes from dry to being wet, and it soaks up and then moves on. So you you lose a little bit, not a lot, but anyway. So it was losing more just through developing the paper than it was through the drip. So that wasn't. I was like, I can live with that. I'll just ignore that. I really like this. I know there aren't any more to get. Then the leak started getting a little bit more rapid, and then I tried to repair it 
which I didn't do a great job <laughs> of, and it didn't work, and you can shut your face, John. Um, anyway, at that point, I went, oh, and just put it to one side for a little bit. I thought, I'll come back to this later. Then I got my new enlarger, which I was very excited mm. to use. Okay, I want to get back into printing. And it occurred to me, this is a four-slot processor, and I've only been using the first three slots. I'll just move everything back one slot. So I moved the fixer to the rear slot, the stop one slot back, and the developer one slot back. So great, off the races, loaded it all up, and um, did some went to do some prints from my new enlarger. And I that that night I was like, what what's going wrong with this? I know I was using some of the paper I was using was a bit old, but even with the last few sheets of fresh paper that I had. It wasn't working out the way that I thought it should do because I'd had a go at doing some in trays and I was like, wow, this light's really quick. This is developing really fast. But when I went to do it, uh, I was having to develop stuff for much longer. It seemed much slower. I thought, this is really weird. It's not not behaving as I would expect it to with fresh developer in there and this paper, but thought nothing more of it. Um, Anyway, long story short, came back into my dark shed the next evening and it had deposited about two litres of fixer everywhere. The back slot had just dumped <laughs> stuff everywhere. And also internally as well. I think that's why my prints weren't coming out because it was also right. leaking fixer into the dev. It's so, mixing. Yeah, which isn't great. Um, so at that point, I had to recognise that, okay, this is this is not suitable for me to use and the guys at the imaging warehouse where i bought it from were great i got in touch with them and they said you know do no problem just send it back or bring it back and we'll give you money back very sorry um so i did that i went up to visit them uh because they're not that far away from me and they're actually a very beautiful part of uh, stratford upon avon so that was nice and <laughs> dumped that back on them like there you go your problem now um they have got some new processing tanks in the works but because of the everything uh they are running late with those happening they were supposed to be unveiling the new um launch of these back in i think it was april of this year but everything's been pushed it's going to be the end of the year now um so uh, i said to look when you when you at that point let us know i'll be interested to see those but i didn't really want to wait that long because i've really got quite used to it so i have already i went on ebay and i found myself a second hand one so uh, i'll be back in the processing mood again soon um but yeah <laughs> my shed still stinks of fixer because it's a wooden <laughs> shed with a wooden top and just wood everywhere and now it's all got fixer soaked in you don't that store your paper underneath where you had fortunately the, uh, not fortunately not <laughs> um but yeah, I don't think that smell is going to go away anytime mm. soon. Does your fixer smell like pickled onion monster munch? I wish. What? Okay, what fixer <laughs> does smell of pickled onion monster <laughs> munch? Because I will absolutely buy that and then drink that. <laughs> I just, um, well, when I, the dark room I used to use, I used to think that's what it used to smell like. Oh, God. I, either you're and using some really onions. weird fix or you've been sold some very dodgy black market <laughs> pickled onion monster munch. Were you eating crisps before you no. were in the dark? No. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Um, well, did you, did you manage to get the same size processor? I think so, yeah. Was it 16 by 12, I think? I can't yeah. remember something like that. It was, it, it was, it was. I, I've worked out that that that's probably big enough for me. I'm not going to do. 
because I can't afford to do stuff bigger than that. So 16 by 12 is realistically what I'm going to use. And also it's space in the dark shed. Um, mm. But it was it was mm. so much better having it there to use than getting the trays out. It just makes printing a viable thing to do as and when. So, um, yeah, I, I ummed mm. and ahed. I thought, oh, should I just wait until the end of the year? It'll give me time to save up more money because I know these things aren't going to be cheap when they come out. But I thought, actually, no, I'll take the plunge now. And I can always sell the one I've got when the new ones mm. come out if I really want to get one then. But, um, yeah, they are good. If you have a small darkroom space and you want to make good use of it, these Nova processing things are... How many of them have you got, John? Uh, four? Four. Four. Four and a 20-by-24 a washer as well. Yeah, see, John... I've been picking up over the years. They're they're great things. Even if you haven't, even if you've got lots of space, I think they're fantastic. Yeah. Just because you use less chemicals, like there's an air stopper on the top, so your chemicals mm. last longer. Built-in temperature control bath as well, which is really useful for color, obviously. Um, yeah, fantastic. So John could have just given me one of his, but no, he didn't. He made me go and buy one. Outrageous. John Tawdy. Yeah, I've got, I've got one right here that I, don't, I haven't used in ages. So yeah, yeah such a jerk. <laughs> um, well, I think that just about catches us up. Shall we dig in to some of these fantastic emails? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. We've got some good emails here. Thank you so much to the people who have written in, as always. And the first one, one of two actually from Billy, is our good friend Billy Sanford, who writes and says, Hello, Sunbeams. With the mailbag being a little light at times, which is very much an understatement, <laughs> I thought I'd write in with what seems to me to be a pretty timeless topic for you to hold in reserve for the next time you need one. A question in two parts. Part one is not intended to start a conversation about film versus digital, but it speaks to our love of gear as photographers and love of lists and debate as humans. If you go to a digital photography forum, the camera debates seem to me to often hinge on the number of megapixels, colour science or other factors that really seem to me to be more about the sensor and less about the camera body. In those terms, the sensor equivalent in the analogue world is the film stock. Every few months, in any of the film photography groups I'm in, someone will share an article that's been posted about overrated and underrated film cameras. The overrated cameras tend to be whatever camera is currently getting a lot of hype or costs more than most people think that it should. So the part one question is that to the degree that image quality is arguably one of the more important aspects of any photography, shouldn't film photographers be directing more of their energy to debating film stocks and less to debating cameras. Mm. Part two hinges on how you feel about part one and is entirely unrealistic given our nature. Oh good. We all have cameras we love and often for reasons that are impractical or irrational. But ultimately, especially if we are talking about a camera with interchangeable lenses, isn't all one needs a box with sufficient light tightness and a reliable shutter? interested in hearing the group's thoughts and i hope everyone is well mm. um well what do you think about that guys then in the first case i mean we between the three of us we talk quite a lot about gear and stuff especially with you claire because you're always looking for new stuff you're always debating you want new stuff <laughs> um this idea that really the conversation about cameras is less important than the conversation about film which does happen less most of our conversations tend to be about cameras don't they or, or in general mm. as a community why do you think that is? 
<laughs> and the room went silent. Brilliant, good one, guys. Um, uh, I my my initial thought is relatively there are less film stocks available than variations of cameras and lenses. So the variety or, or and like types of cameras as well, thinking about like pinhole mm. and I don't know, all sorts of different things like wide looks is all that's like expand all that stuff. There's more variety aesthetically there than there are between different film stocks. Mm. So I think that's possibly why it ends up being a bigger conversation. Um, and also, I think there's a tendency to a lot of film stocks look very similar when you're just looking at them on your mobile phone screen. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it comes down to how it's been scanned or post processed, the differences between them. So I, I don't think. I don't know. I don't know if that conversation is had as much because if some, if like a film appears more contrasty, it's more likely because it's been scanned or post-processed that way rather than the actual nature of that film. Um, I don't know. People love talking about bloody cameras as well, don't they? That's true. What do you think, Claire? I, do you know what? I really, I really don't know. I, I think, I think it could be a bit of everything. I know that before I began you know, on, on the podcast with you all, um, I was kind of in that camp of um, the gear is less important and, it you know, I was always focused on the end, end result. And I've shifted my position a bit because I feel like I've learned so much from all of you and, and, and listening to Jeff and Gabe on, on I Dream of Cameras as well, that my, in my brain now I think mm, maybe if I got this camera for this or that camera for that, but film stocks as well, funny enough, I was reading a lot about um, Kodak Ektar this week, week and thinking, oh, maybe that's a film stock I should uh, go with for certain things. I don't know. I don't know. I'm rambling, but I, no. I, I, I don't know. It's like interesting because, and then even I think sometimes, um, do we need lots of different camera, you know, like say it's a 35 yes. mil camera. Is it, is it about, is it, lenses we should focus you know that it's like i don't know i think it's you know, a combination like, isn't it it's a skill i suppose of practicing and knowing and be i suppose your choices isn't it of all those three things your stock and your your lens or whatever i, I don't know i don't know you know you, you get like the, the quote that's always said is like the camera is just a tool it doesn't matter mm. what camera you've got yeah like specifically regards kind of like analog photography mm. i don't think that really holds true because when you actually kind of have used a pinhole camera for example compared yeah. to 35 mil or a yeah. medium formats come in give yeah. massively different results or a large format it's not like they are completely different tools to use as well yeah. as the results they get i think that phrase is very much about the current state of digital photography mm. where a lot of digital cameras are very similar. Yeah, very similar. I think it's also misleading and well, no, I think saying that cameras are just a tool is a perfectly valid statement. I think it's important to recognise that tools are important and mm. and yeah. so as you all know, I'm a gardener and there are some tools that I have that I don't give two hoots about that I just tear through, but there are other things that I have that 
are important to me that they are what they are. So um, my secateurs that I use, um, they're they're pretty much industry standard. They're these Felco secateurs. Um, and there's a reason that they're the industry standard. It's because they're really well made. They are a great tool for the job. And they, I mean, I've been using them at this point for, God, I don't even want to put a number on those years because it's really high and it's going to upset me. It's, I mean, I rest 27, 28 years. Um, and they're like an extension because it's, it is how you interact with these tools. There are lots of other secateurs out there that I could be using that would cut stuff, but mm. they would not be an extension of my arm in the same way that these ones are and the same way with other stuff. And I, I think the same is true of cameras is that um, there are so many things about a camera that are important to the result you get that go beyond its ability to just make images, the ergonomics, the way it's laid out, the way you feel when you're using it. I think the comparison between should we talking about film because that's analogous to digital cameras talking about the sensor i don't think it is really i think there's so much less obvious variation in digital camera sensors um other than the numbers that's they're comparing the numbers because that's the obvious thing um and, and except where you have things which are markedly different, like the X-Trans sensors that are in the Fuji cameras, which do give a different look to some of the other sensors, most of the sensors are all producing pretty much identical results. It almost There's no way that I could look at digital pictures and go, this is from a this camera, this is from a that camera. There's no way. Oh, that's that's interesting, because I've, I've got a Nikon D800, and the I love the color. I don't even know how to describe the color rendition that that mm -hmm. gives in comparison to like some other digital cameras of that area. I, I can't name them, but like side by side. And yeah, they're both yeah. making raw. <laughs> look of the Google, uh, the Google sensor. <laughs> I just said Google because Google paused for me. Uh -huh, uh, the, yep. Nik the Nikon sensor. <laughs> So I think there are there are and I think camera um, sensor manufacturers very much want you to believe and is probably true there there is hugely different color science that goes into those sensors. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. I think it's it's when people are having conversations about cameras of that nature where it's a lot of number measuring and stuff like that, it's because it's the easiest thing to do to justify purchases that have been made. With film, um, they're an artistic medium. You mm. you can't go, is HP5 better than um, Kodak T-Max 100? Because those are two different mediums doing two different jobs for two different two different kind of needs. They're, they're apples and oranges. You could go Kodak Tri-X versus HP5. Right, those two are more similar. But still, it's... Um, I don't know. We're, we're very lucky to have a lot of different mediums. And I think it's there. They can be interesting conversations around them, mm. but I don't think that they're not definitive. Whereas you can go, well, this number is bigger than that number. Sure, you can win an <laughs> argument, I guess, if that's the thing you want to do. How many grains do I have per? Yeah, millimeter? I guess that's like that would be the core comparison, wouldn't it? Would be the grain element, but generally that that's that that changing grain is consistent across all different 
brands of film dependent on its sensitivity. So again, mm. that becomes like almost a non-topic. Cause it's like, it's expect, you get different types of grain as well across different types of film, but it's a known factor, I think. As well, yeah. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think there's plenty of conversations about film, but I just don't mm. think it's one of those things where you can have a "is this better than that" conversation very easily. Because, with the exceptions of some of the stuff in the Ilford and Kodak line, which do pair up, there's not much else that does really. And this comes down to personal preference. They all have their own unique look to them, and either you like it or you don't. But I don't think anybody I can think, say. I think that's that's the best way to kind of discuss it. Is not to be saying oh this is better than that i think there are some things maybe like functionalities of camera you can say that is better than that mm. but actually you can still talk about cameras in the same way as film and sensors it's not about better it's just like how do they differ and where would i use that in an application mm. yeah it's that's to me that's how to think about it is what is where what is the purpose of this and where does it fit into what i am creating yeah options i have mm. yeah because because more isn't always better i went into my brother today finally uh passed his motorbike test which is great because he's only been riding his motorbike for the last six months completely illegally so hooray that he's now riding it legally <laughs> um and i kind of went to wish him good luck and popped into a motorbike shop whilst i was there and i was chatting to this guy looking at these nice shiny motorbikes he went oh yeah this is great it's got auto shift abs link brakes da 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 went oh my god this is terrifying because my bikes are like my cameras they're all like it's got two wheels it's got a brake sometimes that doesn't work <laughs> the end um so yeah uh, all these mod cons can be more baffling than they need to be um anyway let's move on uh, the next email which you're going to take from the lovely graham young Graham Young says, Greetings to all the sunbeams, large and small. I don't know who's referring to there. <laughs> I had a bad case of FOMO, fear of missing out. It oh. manifests itself in many ways, but one way that might interest the Sony film community is how it interferes in my enjoyment of consuming photographic work of the people I follow on social media. When I log in and start looking at photographs, I'm worried that I will miss the work of people I particularly appreciate, so I start flipping looking and liking pictures at furious pace. I go through a hundred pictures, giving each little more than a glance. Images that look like I would like them get a double tap like and I'm on to the next one. Not only does this do a huge disservice to the photographers, printmakers and others I follow who have put their time and energy in presenting quality work, it leaves me unsatisfied. I never really get to see any pictures this way. My fear of missing out makes makes me miss out. Lately, I've taken steps to change the way I view photography on Instagram. I start out with the goal that I will look at 10 photographs for one minute each. I look at the image as a whole. I look at the details. I look at the interplay of lights and darks and the interplay of colors. I look at the composition. I look at the balance. I look at the subject or the subjects. I look at the technical qualities the focus, the level to the horizon, the exposure, camera shake, etc. Only then do I move on to the next photograph. I started out thinking I would do this for the first 10 photos in my feed. That was quickly discarded and closely examining work I don't particularly like was not rewarding. So I allowed myself to pick and choose which 10 images I gave a minute to and felt rewarded the time spent. 
We are the people who champion the slow photography's better ethos, so shouldn't we do the same with viewing? Do I still miss some photos because I spent the time to look at a few? Yes. Do I still have a fear of missing out? Sure. Still, I find this method of viewing work to be worthwhile and rewarding. Graham Young from the Homemade Camera Podcast. Thank you, Graham. I think that, like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that approach, Graham. Mm. Like, I, it's much better to be engaged in something rather than just consuming something that it, but you're basically filling time with rather than paying attention to it. So I yeah. fully endorse your methods. How do you deal with Instagram, Claire? Um, I was going to say I, I, I like Graham's method as well. Um, how do I deal with Instagram? At the moment, very differently. And some people would say not very, not very well, because I used to try and um, I mean, there's some people feed it every day, don't they? I, I don't I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I mean, I admire people if they can do that. I genuinely don't know how you can have enough creative content that you're happy with to post an image every day. I don't know how people do that. I can't, I can't do that. But I did try to sort of post a couple of times a week. Um, and, you know, like you say, keep on top of other people's work. But I, I just really struggled with it. So I don't think I didn't have fear of missing out. I used to feel very guilty, like I'm not, I can't keep up. I don't, I, I didn't, and unless I don't understand, because I'm not brilliant with social media, unless I'm missing something, how people keep up with everybody's work um, and everyone's posts is kind of a mystery to me. And um, so I I was not f fear of missing out, but feeling guilty that I was missing people's work and that people might think I was being rude or something. But I just decided that I just couldn't keep up with, keep up with it. So I've got personally now I've gone to posting less um, and that might change but for other people's work like Graham I try now to think about oh I haven't looked at Instagram for a while or I haven't looked at some people's work and then I will log on and maybe write down some um, individuals that I think I'll have a look at their account. I actually really like that approach of rather than just rather than just going through loads and loads of work and feeling like oh I'm going to be rude if I don't and just liking it but not paying attention I think that's a really nice way of maybe thinking I'm going to look at even five accounts but I'm going to look I'm really going to look you know mm. I'm going to look with everything <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah yeah I think, no, I'm... I think that's a really nice approach Graham yeah, I, I think I'm probably sort of halfway I, between where yeah. he was and where he is now. I don't, I definitely don't do what he's doing to that extent. Mm. Um, I, <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't jump onto Instagram all that often. Um, so when I do, I do tend to go, okay, I'm going to catch up with what I'm going to scroll through and just see what's going on on my feed as much as I can. Mm. Um, I do take stuff in pretty quickly. I am moving through it pretty quickly because I, yeah. you know, I, I want an overview of where people are at with stuff. And I'll go through, because uh, I think we all, we're all posting quite a lot of stuff. Well, I'm not because mm. I'm lazy as hell, but, you know, a lot of people are posting quite a lot of stuff. And inevitably, it's not all going to be amazing stuff. But uh, so I'll just go through looking at appreciating what people are doing as part of their journey, just mm. in general, kind of going, okay, this is where this is at, you know. But then every now and again, you'll just go, oh, whoa, hang on. 
that and something will snag you and you'll engage with it and go okay i like this and mm. just look mm. at it spend more time with it mm-hmm. and then move on um mm. but yeah i don't feel i don't, don't feel any guilt for that i, I mean like i said yeah. I, I wish i had more time to look at more people's work but yeah. I, um i i love it i love it when you're going through and you can you and you are kind of scrolling through pretty quick and just looking at stuff um mm. and you do come across something that really does go oh that's awesome mm. you know there's it's it's nice it's interesting though how isn't it something like instagram can kind of initiate all these kind of emotions in us or or like feelings like you know fear of missing out for graham guilt for me you know all from all from like a, a social media platform um it's it's i was reading graham you were saying that um you don't post much because <laughs> you were saying that you in your words you said that you were lazy yeah. i was reading an article actually today about um how they reckon that um the 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 the, the influencer age is on the decline now they reckon it's peaked and gone and so they they reckon that it's going full circle that the the rise of the slacker is coming back and i was like Woo! Oh, great yes, yes. The, oh the god i knew it you wait long enough oh, you come back um but you know it's it, no it's it's interesting and then there's a whole load of people isn't there um not necessarily photographers but you know well-known people they just don't have any social media um profiles and, um, and platforms and a part of me kind of quite admires that as well you know you, I, I, I've actors barely or actresses or whatever media. they just don't have social media and you think wow that's quite cool in this day and age not to yeah but i i I pretty much pull like i've still got an instagram account and i'll post it occasionally Mm. i go on twitter like it's it's there for kind of conversation but like the last few weeks have been so busy with stuff Mm. and it's great because it's Mm. kind of it's not affected what i've been creating as well because that's the detrimental side for me is seeing all this amazing work yeah. constantly like it makes me feel a bit rubbish some of the time because you're just like i'm not doing anything i, I hate God, what you I'm lot are a real bunch whether it's fear of but missing out get, feeling guilty or feeling rubbish yeah, what a bunch you lot are i'm awesome getting, i know it <laughs> i don't think you should do i mean what do they call that compare and despair don't they if you start comparing yourself I think we've have we oh, had yeah, this conversation it's... before. I think it can be, I think um, it's hard. I think on Graham's theme as well of, of fear of missing out and on what you're saying, John, um, when you start looking at everyone else's, I think the danger is you can get swayed to move away from what you really want to do and think, oh, maybe I need to start doing this. And I think it's really, this is my view, important as far as possible to keep true to yourself mm-hmm. and do work that you really like doing whether you get a, a million followers or you get one follower i think it's really important to, to try not to s- get overly swayed by what everyone else is doing and that can be hard isn't it because we're all yeah influenced. it is hard and sometimes you do want and need inspiration mm. oh yeah, yeah. On. and that can yeah. come from photography and it, it can oh, come totally. from other as well mm. But the most important thing to do is to be making, be creating. Mm. And if something is preventing that or swaying it in a direction, a different direction to what would happen in isolation, I think mm. that's has a negative impact on it. Mm. But I think that's a really lovely approach that, Graham, you are doing with your um, yeah. 10 accounts and really looking slowly because 
also I know um someone that I do follow on on Instagram and they're a really lovely uh, person and they're, they're really generous <laughs> with the comments but I think they go around that they, they like so many I think the couple of times they've been um not banned from Instagram, but what's the word? Maybe suspended or something. Because they must pick up on activity if they think that you're, is it like a spammer if you go around and like too many images mm. in, in a short space of time? So, no, I, I think that's a really nice approach. Claire's favourite uh, follower is a robot, for sure. It's definitely a robot. <laughs> um, you are, my work. My your favorite your, your favorite yeah. follower is definitely a robot. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, on social media, in particular Facebook, this happens to me all the time, and I must be doing something wrong. I don't know if it happens to any of you, but if I write, quite often I write comments on people's work. It has happened on Instagram. And then when I go and look, it's like the comments aren't there. So I'm thinking, am I not waiting enough time sometimes for them to post, or whether it's a connection thing here, I don't know, but happens to me all the time. Like I think I've written, say, like on an image, say of yours, John. I might have said, "Oh, I like this image, John," and then, but the comments mm. not there, and that happens yeah. to me all the that's, time. On mine, that's probably because I've blocked you. Yeah. Oh, also, yeah. John, I'm always commenting how much I like your work, and, just, <laughs> and it also just never shows up. It's really weird, but I do spend so much of my time doing that, and that. I don't even think I'm not. It's just mm. not showing up. Um, Claire, I think the problem is you're probably losing your marbles. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Oh, actually, what I want to do before we move on from this is to say that Graham Young, along with... Um, oh, hang on. I'm going to make sure I get the, the right Motley crew lineup here. So um, along with Dom from um, Copsworks, who, uh, Dominic Silverthorne, who we, we need to get on here at some point and talk to, um, uh, and also uh, Eric from the Large Format Photography Podcast, they have put together a podcast called Lenspunk. Now, I haven't heard this Ooh. yet, but I can tell you something. It's going out on Sunny Sixteen. It's going out on the Sunny Sixteen Presents feed imminently. Say um, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so listen out for Lenspunk, a new. Who knows how many of these there are going to be, or where they'll be? But this first one, which I'm very excited about, is going to be on um, Sunny Sixteen Presents. Also, I think we've got a show coming very soon because I've seen it in the inbox and I haven't done anything with it yet. Sorry, everyone. From Billy Sanford. So more oh. stuff coming soon on Sunny Sixteen Presents. I will get at least one of those shows out this weekend uh, so be excited about that um okay next email is you claire right oh yeah um this is from bear brown it's a nice name isn't it um so during the pandemic i began listening to your podcast oh thank you um i listen to the latest on the weekends usually while processing my black and white in the sh in my shed and then the library of episodes from the beginning during my commute to work <sighs> I'm not sure what episode it was, but Rachel had mentioned Gudak. Is it Gudak? Gudak. 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 Yeah. I don't know. I Whatever. teach filmmaking and have been looking for something that can give a film experience while teaching virtual classes and thought Gudak might solve that. So I gave it a try with one of my classes. Claire, sorry, before you go any further, do you want to just recap on what Gudak is. I mean, obviously, we all know and remember what Gudak is, but for the benefit of listeners who might not remember this very long time ago conversation about Gudak, can you just remind us all what it is? It's an app, isn't it? It's uh, 
an app, is it? Yes, yes, an app. It's an app. <laughs> Isn't it? Uh, it's Stay coming... with confidence, Claire. <laughs> okay, so the students make photo Romans. <laughs> okay, that was the briefest <laughs> description. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm, I'm handing this one. John, please can you tell us what Gudak is? Well, Gudak, Graham, is, um, is, is an app. It's available <laughs> oh, on iOS uh, for 99 cents, I think. And... Um, Basically, it simulates the film photography experience. So you get a limiting number of shots. 24. Yeah. 24 shots. Thanks, Claire. Um, and I think it gives you like a film look as well. And then when you finish the role, you have to wait three days for it to be processed before you can see your images. So it's like it's a full experience in an app environment. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, John. You, you may now continue. Continue. People okay. know what we're talking about. So the students um, of Bear make photo Romans knowing they only had 24 exposures and had to wait an hour before loading another role. In addition to the 72 waiting for processing period, it allowed them the experience of slowing down and making more deliberate decisions in their framing choices. The images have a film look, which I know other apps can do, but the restrictions in the app met a lot of the skills learned when I teach that part in the normal classroom. I've used the Lomo Kino, or I love the Lomo Kino, and disposable or simple use cameras. But for a lot of students, grasping shooting on film is still difficult. I'm going to use it with some of my students this summer session. Thanks a bunch. I'm always looking for new things to help students learn. And that's from Bear Brown who is, I think his Instagram um, account handle is um, at Film Professor Bear. That's a great handle. Is, film Professor it? Bear. I love it. I think that's a good idea. You know, if it, it when you've got people who struggle with just getting to grips with film in the first place, mm. um, or, or you can't afford to, but you want to get them to think more about each shot this seems like a good way of doing it i don't know what photo roman is we didn't look that up beforehand <laughs> but uh um yeah i think that's a good idea a very good idea what's a lomo kino a lomo have you not seen it? it's a really it's, it's um, an app no yeah it's <laughs> not it's a little plastic it's basically a really basic but lovely filmmaking um i don't know the word gadget it's got a little candle i'd show you Camera? one i'd go and get it yeah cheese grater it's, it's 35 mil you load it up with 35 mil um and then you wind it on so you're making a oh, moving it's image it. yeah it's right, got a crank okay. that's the word yeah it, it's really lovely and and um when you process them and you make your film it, it has a really lovely look um mm. but it, you need a lot of film because um you know you can have like just a couple of seconds from like one roll of um 35 mil film so you go through film quite a lot um but you, yeah um, it's really lovely a, can you put a bulk roll in them or does it only take 35 mil cans <laughs> no it's just 35 mil they're, they're yeah. quite small but yeah it's just for making little almost gifts i suppose more than anything else but um right. It's a very no, cheap no, 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 I reckon. <laughs> no, Graham. I do. No, no, no. Uh, don't write it off. No, I reckon you could. The Lomokina, no, I reckon you could make. Um, a movie, uh, a, you a feature make, film. Yeah, I bet you could. I bet you someone could. But you could definitely <laughs> I bet you make someone you won't. The, um, 
You could Did definitely you make, today? say, a music video uh, on one or something. Yeah, I think they're lovely. I think it's got a really lovely feel. And, and again, it comes back to going back to um, Billy's email. It's around um, where you would take it and what situation, you know, you would use it in. Yeah, no, I, I like the Lomo Kino. Big Did thumbs you up see the, um, the music video that came out? Uh, I don't know when it was, but somebody made a music video using cyanotypes, and it's it's fantastic. So they they filmed down. they filmed the live action fit, um, music video and used some archive footage, edited it all together. Yeah, output every frame onto sheets of A4 um, negative acetate. Yeah, exposed them all onto cyanotype paper. Mm. And then scanned all of those in, and then recut the, uh, the music oh. video with every frame. Wow. Madness! It's um. Let me just bring it up. So somebody called Ed Carr. Oh, you loved it. I love the, it. Look. The artist is Tycho Jones. Track called "Don't Be Afraid." Mm. It's absolutely phenomenal. But, Twenty-four um, frames a second. Mm. I bet you if you go and if you Google Loma Kina, I bet you you'll see some really nice examples of. of no, pe people people certainly have made music videos with them. Um, yeah, and I'm just sort of looking at, and I can tell you want something for certain. Now, I never want to watch anything longer than the music video of made on Loma Kino because that'll really... make me want to claw my own eyes out. No, I think it's a, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's got it's like everything, hasn't it? It's got a very specific feel and yeah, know, yeah, it's got, it's an got a feel you don't want to look at for too long. Is what that feel is. It's I'm like a, all my eyes kind of a feel. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Let's move on. So this is the second email from the lovely Billy Sanford. And this, John, is responding to a call out that you made on a previous show asking for people's behind the scenes experience. Uh, so he writes in, if the goal was to inspire listeners to write in with their behind the scenes experiences, then John certainly pushed the correct button in my case. I would wish to keep it brief, but I tend to fail miserably at that. So apologies in advance. I mentioned back during the music themed Cheap Shots Challenge that music has been an integral part of my life. Mm. My sister and I and our cousins all played in the school orchestra and marching band growing up. Inspired by our grandparents who were musically inclined and grew up in an era before television when families provided their own nighttime entertainment, as a phrase, I suppose. In my adult life, I have tended to gravitate to musical people. I'm sure it's partly to do with some deep-seated part of our human DNA that facilitates rhythm, tonality, pitch and the creative nature that also speaks to us as photographers. But I also just like being around people having fun and that is usually the case when you are around people who are making and enjoying music. Graham has noted before that there seems to be a link between musicians and photographers. The third leg of that tripod for me is IT. I am a career IT person and have to say that the technical fields are disproportionately filled with creative types, making it access a common part of the brain perhaps. Or maybe it is just a release from the rigid boundaries of technology that these people are feel free to let their freak flag fly. <laughs> freak flag fly. Or perhaps both. So this is where my story starts. Oh boy, <laughs> he says four paragraphs in, thankfully. About a decade ago, five of my co-workers were in four different bands. 
I would go to support all of them when they played at different local venues, but one group, the Blue Devils, was much more prolific than the rest, and eventually I was spending nearly every weekend at some dive bar or duke joint watching them play. As this was occurring during the same time that I was starting to enjoy photography as a hobby, I would bring along my camera. It allowed me to practice, and fail, a lot during challenging low-light situations, but I was shooting digital exclusively at that point, so there were always high ISOs to help me out. The Blue Devils were made up of four members playing guitar, bass, harmonica and drums normally. The guitarist was the primary singer, but they all sang some, and most of them played additional instruments as well. The lead guitarist slash singer, Leonard, was my co-worker and friend. The guy always appreciated me sharing pictures with them from their shows. So when Leonard told me that they were going to go to a local studio to cut a demo CD that they could give to a club owners for booking, uh, for booking gigs and asked if I'd like to come along, I couldn't say yes quickly enough. Although this wasn't a proper album or anything, I knew that they would like to have a photo memories of the night and it would be fun for me as well. And in retrospect, it is a memory that I look back on very fondly. I had grown to be friends with all four of the guys. I enjoyed being around them. I knew all of the songs, so I knew what to anticipate based on whatever they were recording. And they always seemed okay with me with with me being around and letting me photograph them, which was an awesome experience for me. Again, it was early on in this journey for me, so not all of the images are great. And though I love it, if I'm being honest, I imagine the music itself would not be to everyone's taste. It is for middle-aged white guys singing the blues after all. So it does not remotely resemble Kate Bush, well that's sad, or Taylor Swift. <laughs> well, I'm out. <laughs> I'd love to have a crack at having an experience similar to this again, but attempting it with film now. I have included a few from the nearly 12,000 images I made that night. Action shots, quite candid moments and just a few detailed scene setters. It was great fun on that night and looking back through them today. So thank you for inspiring this little trip down memory lane. All the best, Billy. And I'll share those pictures with you guys afterwards because I haven't mm. got them in front of me. That's awesome, Billy. That kind of thing is so much fun, isn't it? When you get to go and have an adventure and be part of something like that with people. I mean, you mentioned this in the first place, John. Have you had experiences like this? Um, yeah, like I, I love the fact that it was such a personal thing for Billy on that one as well. And even though he, he says he doesn't, really like the shots looking back on them i bet there's an element to them that nobody else could capture because he had that connection with them mm. and that the, the time that he'd spent with them and you can't you can't beat that like some of the behind the scenes stuff i do so you get thrown in there you'll have a small chat with people and you very quickly have to for them to be comfortable around you or them not kind of mm. know you're there to be able to get the shots um, so to actually spend a huge amount of time with people before ever to take their photo is, is a luxury. And I bet you there are elements of that that come through in his images. Um, I, I, I've done a couple of like music ones, um, at a radio station with like live playing of music for that. And it's such a, an incredible, it's like having your own gig. Just like you're just immersed mm. it. Like you're on stage with a band to yourself, it's such an incredible experience. Um, yeah, and I, I hope I get to do that again soon, actually, because it's right, it's a very unfortunate thing to do. Yeah, what about you, Claire? 
what pictures of bands behind the scenes yeah well just generally going and doing behind the scenes pictures and stuff like that have you ever got involved with anything like that um i'm just trying to think have i ever done any behind the scenes i'm not sure if i have graham off the top of my head no it's making me think though um just listen to um billy's email how much i miss live music you know i love going to gigs really love gigs um yeah so it'd be nice when we can go to gigs again but um oh, don't any behind the scenes um yeah i'm trying I'll... to get like like for me access is always the hardest thing for behind yeah. the scenes getting people to kind of trust you i'm, I'm mm. trying to get access to one tomorrow for an event that hasn't even been publicly announced mm. so I'm technically not supposed to know about it but i want access to photograph it and it's like <laughs> how yeah. do i go about this it's, you know, it's, it's so yeah so it's funny because i do actually like looking at behind the scenes shots so like for instance um not necessarily music ones but you know, it could be music ones at festivals or um you know films you see like these um images don't you so and so on the set of mm -hmm. so and su such and such a film and yeah they're they're interesting uh, uh, behind the scenes um shots it's mm. this is not the same in any way shape or form but i was thinking no. about what the closest i've ever come to is years ago when my kids were still in primary school um I kind of volunteered myself. I can't remember how I ended, but they say, oh, we could do some pictures for the website. Do you want to come and do some pictures? So I just kind of went, okay, I'm just going to go and potter around primary school. Mm. And, and that was quite a fun thing to do. And I just, I just went to visit the website. I was like, there's still some more pictures on their website. That's nice. All these years later. <laughs> um, That's definitely so, behind the scenes. I love that. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, you're, you're telling stories beyond like almost like the PR and marketing shots. You know, it's mm. like every event always has the, the classic shot that, kind of tells people what happened like if it's a gig it's like a stage shot with the, mm. band or the artist on stage but all the stuff that happens behind the scenes they're the ones that to me they'd last a lot longer than that the photo of that event because mm. they tell the story of what the build-up yeah. to it and what was going on around it which is where i think they have a lot more longevity to them um, and they're normally a lot more kind of personal as mm. well so uh, primary school is definitely fit in that category right yeah, that's cool. I was just quite Oh, yeah, there are still some pictures there. There you go. Who knew? No, not, clearly not me. Um, right, where were we before I got myself confused? Oh, okay. Um, Claire, were you going to read this last one from uh, Pete Brackenby? This is a very kind, uh, belated, belated birthday email from Pete Brackenby, which I'm not going to yeah. read. Yeah. So from nice. Peter, yeah. Sorry I missed sending this in time. I just wanted to say thanks for all the work you put into the podcast. Whenever whenever I need a shot in the arm, I may have to retire that metaphor due to COVID. I turn to my favourite photography podcasts and Sunny 16 is right at the top of the list. I feel like your interest in Ronald <laughs> got me thinking I should try large format. And now I have three cameras, all in varying states of decay. I just listened to your Chroma podcast from last year and your last monologue really hit home. I know you and I hold Matt Marash, is it, in high mm -hmm. esteem. However, I do put you a close second behind him when it comes to getting inspired to shoot. Let's face it, it's probably not like we will be producing any images that Matt would be content with. But I like your spirit when it comes to trying new things in photography. I see you as being every bit as inspirational as Matt. 
You constantly push me because you model a why not attitude and it helps me get going. So happy birthday um, from a poor large format wannabe <laughs> in Canada. A piss uh, poor read piss what it poor, says, Claire. Yeah, large format <laughs> wannabe in Canada. Uh, cheers, Peter Brackenbury. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's really nice. And yeah. honestly, like if if I can if I can inspire anybody to go, basically, oh, if this idiot can get on and have a go just for the fun of it, I should do it. That's mm. great. That is. You all are I an want. inspirer, Graham. I will say that you are. That's very kind of you to say yeah. that. I, I, it's, um, you I tell just... us that you're one of those people that goes, "Of course you can do it." <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like... And then we're like, "Why did I listen to Graham?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's no refund. Um, but uh, yeah, we learn very quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I, like this is the thing. Like I was saying, you guys like, before before we came on this evening. I, and I mean, admittedly, if nobody ever hears from me again, this might be the time when my ah, eh, why not just do it comes back to bite me on the ass. But before we came on to record the podcast tonight, I was having a go at repairing my bright my new motorbike's brakes. Now I've never done this before, but he's like, I just do it. It'll be fine. Now, as I said, mm. if this is the last you hear of me. Please no. Well, I, I died as I lived stupidly. Um, but yeah, like all of this stuff, I think the, the point that um, Peter makes is really important because mm. it and it comes back to something you guys were saying about earlier about going through Instagram and looking at other people's stuff and saying, oh, you know, you can start judging your own work by it. Um, but the reality is that you should just get out there and have fun doing stuff and not look at what other people are doing and going, well, if I'm not doing something brilliant, what's the point? Because the point is it's fun it's all fun you know if if making cakes was my thing instead of taking taking pictures i wouldn't stop making cakes just because they weren't amazing i'd be like well no it tastes vaguely sweet and it's got cream <laughs> on that. i'm gonna eat it so i'm gonna make it um it doesn't matter what you're doing it's as long as you're having fun doing it that's the most important thing in a hobby isn't it right mm. and yeah, yeah I agree. and I, I think that does tie in with that instagram question it's like if you end up having lots of conversations about what you're getting from it and doing with it, then you're not having fun with it. So just stop doing it and just mm. carry on taking photos because you will have fun doing that. Mm. Yeah. And and with all of the, with all of the analog photography, and I think large format particularly has felt like this to me is, um, it's it's easier than you think. I mean, we've talked about this, Claire, because I keep saying, mm. "Oh, I'll send you a camera up," and like, "Well, I need to go through it." So I was like, it's fine. It's just photography. It's not. None of this is difficult. Making prints is not difficult. Making all of this stuff is easy. Doing it well, making large format images like someone like Matt Marash does, or mm. making prints like John does, or you know, doing stuff well. <laughs> Is a different. Matter. You've seen my but, prints, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, your prints are great, John. But mm. but just doing it so it's good enough to have fun with, so that you can then work on and improve and move forward. That's actually really easy mm. to get to that point. Is you know, then there's a whole adventure going further beyond that. But um, yeah, everyone should just do everything because why not? <laughs> right. I think there's it's that lovely excitement as well, isn't there? From when you've shot your role. Uh, or and then you think oh, I want to get and develop them and it's funny because again I was listening to um, one of the um, episodes of I Dream of Cameras and Gabe was talking about how he drives one and a half 
one hour, was it one hour, 40 minutes or something? And he took 19 rolls of film and he drove there to make sure they were well, to hand deliver them to the, the, the lab. Yeah. And I remember thinking, that reminds me of when I was in the darkroom because I used to drive two hours, well, one and a half, two hours to the darkroom. It was in, um, uh, well, the east side of North Wales. Um, that was the closest to me. And I used to have that burning excitement of like, I can't wait now. I've got like, I've got these films and I can't wait to get to the darkroom and drive all that way. And I can't wait to develop them. And then I can't wait to get the contact films. And I can't wait, you know, that kind of excitement and it's really, it's nice, isn't there? It is. It's really. Yeah. 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 Photography, photography, like everything in life, should be something you're just doing. You're just mm. doing for the fun of it. And um, fear should never stop you from doing anything, whether it's developing your own film yeah. or having a go at printing or trying to use a camera that you've not used before. And like never let fear stop you from just having a go because what's the worst that could happen like most time the worst that can happen is oh you've ruined a roll of film you know mm. it's not it's not the end of the world is it i mean i've messed up so many things and we were talking earlier about the fact that i was trying to make prints using film developer that was apparently filled with fixer you know these things happen <laughs> mm. I, but all right my, my I, I, I messed i messed up a roll last week because i didn't compensate enough for a filter i was using yeah. on my camera you know and it's yeah. like it's that that enthusiasm and that fun to carry on like gets you through those things because you're just like oh well you know it's like say it's a roll of film and fortunately it was it was a subject to go and reshoot mm. but like the sun being out helps a lot because that gives you energy doesn't it it gives mm -hmm. you that excitement yeah. but that kind of like childlike mentality of like yeah, yeah. everything it's amazing That's it. just really enjoying stuff it's yeah a wonderful thing to have um right we've got a couple of quick bits here do you want to take mention this one from um, our good friend justin quinnell john yes i will justin says hi there we are doing some alternative photography outdoor workshops in St. Paul's and Eastville open to all. This is in Bristol, UK. Mm. Having outdoor workshops will enable us to increase participants in a COVID safe way. The Eastville Park events will combine alternative photography with lawn bowls, <laughs> thanks to the Eastville Park Bowling Club. Feel free to contact us for further infos, photos, etc. Justin Quinnell, the real photo company. And I'm sure we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I certainly um, will. Lawn bowls, what a great combo. <laughs> I love it. You can always rely on Justin to be doing something <laughs> slightly weird out there. It's great. Um, I can get, it's, he's probably turning he's probably turning the balls into a camera, isn't he? He's probably put uh, a pin yeah, on it. Probably. That yeah, would not yeah. surprise me at all. I bet you, yeah. It's been great, the, the, um, Justin, and through his work with others at the Real Photography Company. They've like throughout the last year, they've been doing stuff, whether it's online workshops and now obviously outdoor workshops and stuff like this. It's great. They've really made things happen and kept things going and done new stuff. Mm. It's been fantastic to see. Uh, the last thing, uh, just because I had a quick email, so I thought I'd give a shout out from a guy called Eamon or Eamon. Mm. Uh, who just wrote to say that he's started a new large format uh, camera store. This is basically somewhere where it's an online web place to basically, if you're anything like me, if you want to go and drool over some really beautiful large format cameras oh, that yeah. um, 
and as I've said to uh, John and Claire earlier, um, I think the one that I need is there's a, a Ghibellini uh, GP810Ti, this beautiful 8x10 camera that costs $18,770. Oh, yeah, got the one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, lots of really beautiful cameras. So if you are, I mean, we we talk a lot about um, Intrepid and about Chroma and about all the great affordable large format options that are out there. If you have more money to spend and want to get something really beautiful and really fantastic, uh, this website looks like a great place to go and see some stuff um, side by side. It's just called the lfcamerastore.com. Mm. So go and have a look there. Go and admire the beautiful cameras, um, of which there are many. Uh, and if anybody has got a spare $18,770 they would like to give me um, so I can buy a Ghibellini, Ghibellini. Either one of those two actually would be fine. Um, that would be great. Don't, because don't, don't give it to Graham. Put it into the uh, our coffee account because then we'll at least get some sort of responsibility over what it's spent on. Yeah. Mm, I like my idea better. I'll be honest. You'll buy a, you'll buy another two bikes with it. The, the, I could buy many bikes with that much money, given the quality <laughs> of bikes that I buy. <laughs> uh, the most recent one, um, yeah, I could probably bet about twenty of them. Quality bike, the one that I've just bought. <laughs> Hence the brakes falling off already. Um, I think. Actually, that seems a good thing. Actually, just to say before we do wrap up, uh, thank you very much to our wonderful coffee donors. Um, you guys are amazing and it's great that we're I was really pleased actually to get um, Graham Young getting in touch with us to say oh we want to do this lens punk thing can we put it on Sony 16% it's like yes absolutely this is just what we want to be doing with this um, it's so nice to have this venue here so that people like Graham and Dom and Eric can have a venue to wang something out and that, like people like Billy and John Michael and Deezer and that's all the other people who have done stuff for us um, that we can put this stuff out there this the Sony 16 presents feed um whilst we as hosts uh and i'm the worst case guilty of this one because i've done one but as we haven't put as much stuff out there but i'm so proud of the stuff that other people have done that we've been able to share that we've been able to give a home to um and that is entirely thanks to everybody who has contributed now and over the years on coffee to give us the ability to do that so thank you so much for that is hugely appreciated and as i'm always saying if you haven't been and checked out um sunny 16 presents then as claire has mentioned frequently you've got i dream of cameras there if you're not listening to i dream of cameras i don't know what you're doing those guys are lovely mm -hmm. and they are in their own we're starting to mess with the format now they are having guests on on the most recent episode they uh, both gave cameras to two of the kind of silent forces behind i dream of cameras um the, who help with the music and with all the branding and stuff like that so and have a conversation about how those guys got on with the cameras they've been given so loads of really fun stuff to listen to there um is there anything else uh john claire that you would like to let listeners know about this week i Not don't me, think I don't so think no. No. just I a guess... reminder that if you're uh, in commentary in the next few weeks come and say hello at my mm. exhibition What's the date again, John? The uh, June the something. June is it June the twenty third? The something. Be yeah, there. I had it in my head. It was July the twenty third. June the twenty third. Mm. 
John will put a link in the show notes and I will make sure that link is available for people to see and click through to. Um, next week, we are going to be talking to Stephen Dowling from Cosmophoto, who has got something exciting coming your way. I can't tell you what it is because I don't know what it is, but um, uh, we'll find out together. Uh, so... Um, Look forward to that next week. Like I said, it's a new announcement which will be going out. So hopefully something very cool. My guess is that he has actually um, somehow acquired a uh, Russian rocket and is going to be <laughs> launching himself into space to really live that Cosmo Photo dream. That's my assumption. Seems reasonable. Um, but we'll we'll find out next week. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything else. So I guess we get out of here, right? right? Uh, mm. We'll play you out with Rachel's wonderful band, Roja, which you can find everywhere where wonderful music is found and nowhere where terrible music is found. We just won't put it there. And um, we will be back with you next week with Stephen Dowling. Until then, thank you very much for listening, everybody, and goodbye. Good night. Goodbye.